Hi, this is Jules Juliana from the Illusion of Words podcast and today I've been planning on discussing or more on relaying information from past philosophers, psychologists who have spoken on the same intriguing topic. So what's today's topic that has kept the great minds in the past busy as well? We choose the prison we live in, said Eric Fromm. Eric Fromm was a German social psychologist and a psychoanalyst who was associated with the Frankfurt School of Critical Theory. He was known for developing the concept that freedom was a fundamental part of human nature and for challenging the theories of Sigmund Freud, fear of freedom. Is this even a real thing? Apparently it is. All of us have the potential to control our own lives, but that most of us are too afraid to do so and the best part is we aren't even aware that we are afraid of freedom. As a result, we give up our freedom not knowing it's our freedom that we give up and allow our lives to be governed by circumstance. Family, friends, idols, political and religious ideology or irrational feelings. Hence, we do choose the prison we live in. We just don't accept it as a prison. Food for thought, isn't it? Do we have free will in the lives we lead? Is free will an illusion? This is our real topic here for discussion. Our behavior is governed by internal or external forces over which we have no control. B.F. Skinner was the first psychologist to suggest that free will is an illusion. Skinner was an American psychologist best known for his influence on behaviorism. Skinner referred to his own philosophy as radical behaviorism and suggested that the concept of free will was simply an illusion. All human action he instead believed was the direct result of conditioning. Free will describes our capacity to make choices that are genuinely our own. With free will comes moral responsibility, our ownership to make choices that are genuinely our own. With free will comes moral responsibility, our ownership of our good and bad choices with subsequent consequences that follow. That ownership indicates that if we make a choice that is good or bad, we deserve the resulting rewards. Free will is the idea that we are able to have some choice in how we act and assume that we are free to choose our behavior. In other words, we are self-determined. So paradoxically, free will is associated with responsibility in some contexts, but risk-taking in other contexts. If that's not enough, I'll ask you one more question to ponder about. 
if belief in free will affects the decisions and judgments you make is that in itself evidence that there is no such thing as free will or can you choose whether you believe in free will now this is an age old question do we really have free will people ask the same question in different forms everything that happens is it god's will if not can i do as i please if not why am i punished for something bad cause god made me do as i do not have free will so is there free will So Arindam Chakraborty a philosopher and professor who wrote why pray to a god who can hear the anklets on an ant's feet he is referring to the gospel of shri ramakrishna does god listen to our prayers and shri ramakrishna said yes god can hear the anklets on on the feet of an ant so arindam chakraborty asks this interesting question If God knows everything and God knows what I need and what I want so why do I have to pray to such a god So that there's another interesting article written by Ion Maharaj who's the monk in uh, Vivekananda University So this article is called Hard Theological Determinism and the illusion of free will the arguments of the existence of free will and the arguments against the existence of free will and the third position which seeks to combine both which is also an interesting position the words free will has its roots in christian theology actually when you consider indian philosophy they are related questions there are questions of freedom but there are questions of agentship who is a doer are we free or not free but free will that is swadhan ichcha that is distinctly emerges in christian theology in christianity the question arises why is there evil why is there suffering god is all loving just powerful every religion has to give some answer for evil in indian religion the answer is pretty simple it is because of our past karma we suffer because of our past karma god is not to be blamed for our suffering we are to be blamed for our own suffering because of our past karma so the law of karma is invoked in buddhism jainism sikhism and in all indian religions but that works if one accepts that there are many lifetimes that is the law of karma and is automatically linked with many lifetimes and future lives birth and rebirth that theory of reincarnation punar janma but in christianity you do not have that this birth is the first one and the last one then why is it some people suffer so much a baby is born in a society that is poor starved and is prone to disease and another baby is born in a society that is 
affluent and is taken care of so how is it the baby's fault so as there is no past karma so it's a baby's first birth according to christianity so is god responsible now god has to be protected from responsibility as god will be blamed for partiality that god is taking care of some and not taking care of some now god cannot do that can he god loves everybody so there is a branch in christianity called theodicy christian theodicy justifying their ways of god to man god has given us the gift of free will and because we misuse free will we suffer we go against the commandments of god and therefore we suffer you might say wait a minute we just gave you an example of a baby the baby that has not yet started using free will so why should any baby suffer the idea is extended not only to our misuse of free will but the theologian will tell you that the first man adam misused his free will against the commandments of god and ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge in the garden of eden and therefore committed the original sin and as a result of which the whole humanity has to suffer the idea here is we have free will and we misuse free will and therefore we suffer if we do not misuse free will then we will not suffer the importance of free will started from that point in the western point of view so coming back to the hard theological determinism and the illusion of free will shri ramakrishna meets lord games saul smilenski and derek peribum in ayon maharaj maha Uh, ramakrishna mission vivekananda educational and research institute in west bengal india so this is the excerpt taken from an essay written by ayon maharaj which reconstructs the sophisticated views on free will and determinism of the 19th century hindu mystic shri ramakrishna and brings them into the dialogue with the views of three western philosophers namely the scottish enlightenment philosopher lord kames and the contemporary analytic philosophers saul smilenski and derek peribum shri ramakrishna affirms hard theological determinism the incompatibilist view that god determines everything we do and think at the same time however he claims that god in his infinite wisdom has endowed ordinary unenlightened people with the illusion of free will for the sake of their moral spiritual welfare kames takes a theological determinist position remarkably similar to shri ramakrishna's however ayon maharaj argues that shri ramakrishna's mystical orientation puts him in a better position than kames to explain why a loving god would implant in us the illusion of free will in the first place ayon maharaj then shows how certain aspects of the views of smilenski and peribum resonate with those 
of Sri Ramakrishna. If God determines everything we do, what sense would it make for us to try to conquer our lower impulses, since we wouldn't even have the free will to exert ourselves in the first place? The Gita raises in an especially forceful way one major form of the long-standing problem of free will and determinism that has exercised some of the greatest philosophical minds in different parts of Aeon Maharaj's aim here is not to enter into the controversy of how to interpret the Gita's complex views on the issue. Rather, he wishes to fast forward quite a bit in history of Indian thought and examine the views of 19th century Hindu mystic Sri Ramakrishna. Sri Ramakrishna's extensive oral teachings in Bengali, which were carefully recorded by his disciple Mahindranath Gupta. Mahindranath Gupta addresses a wide range of philosophical issues, including the nature of God, religious pluralism, the problem of evil, the nature and epistemology of mystical experience, and free will and determinism. Sri Ramakrishna unambiguously denied the existence of free will and affirmed hard theological determinism. The view that God determines everything we do and think. I characterized Sri Ramakrishna as a hard theological determinist because he rejects any compatibilist attempt to reconcile determinism with free will. At the same time, however, he also repeatedly urged his followers to renounce self sense pleasures and to engage in spiritual practice. Sri Ramakrishna adopts a strikingly original strategy for re reconciling hard theological determinism with self-effort. To put it briefly, he claims that God, in his infinite wisdom, has endowed ordinary unenlightened people with the illusion of free will for the sake of their moral and spiritual welfare. According to Sri Ramakrishna, an individual's illusion of free will leads her to feel morally responsible for her actions and this feeling of moral responsibility in turn reduces the likelihood of her engaging in sinful actions. As a mystic, Sri Ramakrishna also maintains that all of us will eventually overcome this illusion of free will either in this life or in a future life when we have the salvific, mystical experience of God as the doer. Like Sri Ramakrishna, Kames champions hard theological determinism while arguing that God has endowed us with a deceitful feeling of liberty, which makes us feel morally responsible for our actions. As we will see, however, Kames does not share Sri Ramakrishna's mystical worldview. Aeon argues that Sri Ramakrishna's mystical orientation and his unique theodicy 
put him in a better position than Cain's to explain why a loving God would implant in us the illusion of free will in the first place. Aeon explores how the recent work of Saul Smilinski can help revive the illusionist approach of Cain's and Sri Ramakrishna. While Smilinski is not a theological determinist, he defends psychophysical determinism by arguing that libertarian free will is incoherent. He also argues, however, that we generally act under the illusion that we are free and morally responsible for our actions. Moreover, Smilinski makes a powerful case that this illusion of free will is both fortunate and morally necessary since so many of our personal and moral values would be jeopardized by the knowledge of determinism. Reconstruction of Sri Ramakrishna's view on free will and determinism Many of Sri Ramakrishna's visitors raised the issue of free will and determinism. In the following passage, Sri Ramakrishna succinctly expresses his overall position on the issue. It is God alone who does everything. You may say that in that case man may commit sin, but that is not true. If a man is firmly convinced that God alone is the doer and that he himself is nothing, then he will never make a false step. It is God alone who has planted in man's mind what the Englishmen call free will. Swadin Ichap People who have not realized God would become engaged in more and more sinful actions if God had not planted in them the notion of free will. Sin would have increased if God had not made the sinner feel that he alone was responsible for his sin. Those who have realized God are aware that free will is a false appearance. In reality, I am the machine and God is the operator. I am the carriage and God is the driver. Free will, according to Sri Ramakrishna, is a false appearance. Indeed, the fact that Sri Ramakrishna ascribes the doctrine of free will to Englishmen suggests that he takes the very notion of free will to be a Western import that is foreign to the Hindu sensibility. The following dialogue between Sri Ramakrishna and the homeopathic doctor Mahindralal Sarkar indicates that Sri Ramakrishna denied the reality of free will altogether. Doctor, I do not say that the free will is absolutely free. Suppose a cow is tied 
with a rope she is free within the length of that rope god alone does everything and that man is a mere machine operated by god in fact shri ramakrishna would frequently appeal to this analogy of a machine for shri ramakrishna hard theological determinism is not a mere intellectual hypothesis hypothesis arrived at through reasoning but a spiritual conviction rooted in his own mystical experience of god as the doer as he puts it there is someone within me who does all these things through me i am the machine and god is the op- operator i act as she makes me act i speak as she makes me speak indeed he would frequently teach that only the jeevan mukta one who has achieved liberation while living realizes that god alone is the doer a man becomes a jeevan mukta when he knows that god is the doer of all things where is man's free will all are under the will of god you think of god or do some good work because you you like to really it is not you who do these things but your liking of them that makes you do so according to shri ramakrishna belief and desire are the motivating forces behind all our actions we engage in a particular action only when we believe that there is something desirable to be gained from so acting shri ramakrishna also implies that our desires were not chosen by us therefore even though we often think we act freely our actions are in fact completely determined by desires that we did not freely choose to have as a theological determinist shri ramakrishna maintains that god is the ultimate causal source of all our beliefs and desires shri ramakrishna also anticipates a natural objection to his theological determinist position a person who feels that god does everything could engage in sin sinful actions and justify them by saying that it is god who makes him sin he raises and responds to this objection in the following passage it is god alone who does everything he may say that in that case people may commit sin but that is not true if one truly realizes god alone is the doer and and i am the non doer then he will never make a false false step according to shri ramakrishna only people who have realized god internalize fully the truth of hard theological determinism and these jeevan muktas are incapable of committing sin 
since they are conscious instruments of god to understand why jeevan muktas cannot sin we need to refer to some of shri ramakrishna's other teachings shri ramakrishna frequently aligns the feeling of doership with egoism as when he says one must altogether renounce egoism ahankar one cannot see god as long as one feels i am the doer he also often teaches that the wicked ego makes one worldly attached to lust and greed for shri ramakrishna then the feeling of doership stems from egoism which is itself the seat of such undesirable qualities as lust anger and greed and it is precisely these qualities that frequently lead people to commit sin the jeevan mukta who has realized that god is the doer cannot commit sin because he has eradicated egoism and all the evil qualities rooted in ego that led to sinful actions therefore although the jeevan mukta knows that he has no free will or moral responsibility he will never make a false step one might argue however that shri ramakrishna's response to this objection is inadequate as it stands after all even if enlightened jeevan muktas are incapable of committing sin unenlightened people can still engage in sinful actions and readily excuse themselves by claiming that god causes them to sin shri ramakrishna responds to this objection by appealing to the third eye feature of his position on free will and determinism which i we will now see according to shri ramakrishna even though there is no free will god has implanted in unenlightened people the illusion of free will in order to prevent sin from increasing shri ramakrishna makes this claim repeatedly including in the passage already cited above it is god alone who has planted in man's mind what the englishmen call free will people who have not realized god would become engaged in more and more sinful actions if god had not planted in them the notion of free will sin would have increased if god had not made the sinner feel that he alone was responsible for his sin the sense of free will shri ramakrishna points out is a necessary condition for the feeling of moral responsibility therefore if ordinary people did not feel that they were free they would not have taken moral responsibility for their actions which would have resulted in a massive increase in immoral behavior 
in another passage shri ramakrishna further spells out the harmful social consequences of not believing in free will as long as a man has not realized god he thinks he is free it is god himself who keeps this error in man otherwise sin would have multiplied man would not have been afraid of sin there would have been no punishment god keeps the error of free will in unenlightened people in order to prevent sin from multiplying indeed shri ramakrishna points out that without this sense of free will the very social institutions of justice and punishment would collapse since these institutions pre suppose moral responsibility which in turn depends on free will for shri ramakrishna the feeling that we are free even if in reality we are not free is a sufficient basis for feeling morally responsible for our actions shri ramakrishna points out elsewhere that the very distinction between good and bad action depends on the illusion of free will a person will have the mistaken belief i am the doer as long as he has not seen god as long as he has not touched the philosopher's stone so long will he feel i did a good act or i did a bad act so long will he believe that there is a distinction between good and bad actions this awareness of distinction which is due to god's maya serves the purpose of running his maya governed world but a person can realize god by taking shelter under his vidmaya and following the path of righteousness one who knows god and realizes him is able to go beyond maya according to shri ramakrishna the illusion of free will is necessary not only for taking moral responsibility for one's actions but also for distinguishing between good and bad actions in the first place without the illusion of free will then morality itself would have no legs to stand on he also adds that the illusion of free will is built into the very structure of god's world maya so the only way to dispel this illusion is to realize god by going beyond maya through ethical and spiritual practice Shri Ramakrishna's reference to Vidya Maya requires some clarification. He frequently distinguishes he frequently distinguishes Vidya Maya avidya maya the maya of ignorance from vidya maya the maya of knowledge. As he puts it vidya maya leads one to god and avidya maya away from him knowledge devotion compassion and renunciation belong to the realm of vidya for shri ramakrishna 
avidya maya encompasses selfish qualities such as lust greed and anger that lead one away from god while vidya maya encompasses ethical and spiritual qualities that bring one closer to god crucially both avidya maya and vidya maya presuppose a distinction between good and bad actions however the jivan mukta who has realized that god is the doer transcends both avidya maya and vidya maya to the jivan jivan mukta there is no distinction between good and bad actions since this very distinction presupposes the feeling of personal doership one might object at this point that shri ramakrishna on the one hand maintains that hard theological determinism is true so one has free will since god is the sole doer people do not have any control over their actions on the other hand seems to presuppose that people do have control over their actions since an individual's feeling of moral responsibility can only curtail immoral action if that person actually has control over her actions in other words if no one has free will then how could the presence or absence of the feeling of moral responsibility affect one's action at all however from shri ramakrishna's perspective hard theological determinism is perfectly compatible with the view that the presence or absence of the feeling of moral responsibility affects one's actions although god is the sole doer he achieves his purposes through the device of the illusion of free will and the consequent feeling of moral responsibility if we think of our feeling of moral responsibility as an instrument of instrument or device through which god himself acts in the world then there is no need to assume that an individual has to have control over her actions in order for the presence or absence of her feeling of moral responsibility to affect her actions an analogy with a billiard ball might help clarify this point a person playing billiards can make the ball behave in various ways depending on how she strikes the ball with her cue if i'm watching her play and i say the ball curved right or the ball would have gone into the corner pocket if it had been struck differently i am obviously not ascribing agency to the ball rather i mean that the player caused the ball to act in different ways by manipulating the cue similarly shri ramakrishna holds that god causes us to act through our feeling of free will and moral responsibility therefore 
when Sri Ramakrishna makes the counterfactual claim that ordinary people would have committed more sin if God had not implanted in them this feeling of free will. This is Jules Juliana for Illusion of Words and this is part one for free will. Thanks for listening. Thank you.